Hey listeners, welcome to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Peters. We're doing something kind of special today. We are talking about how to help your family ministry thrive. And today we are combining the leaders of Lifeway Kids and Lifeway Students, Jana Magruder. Hi, Jana. Hi. Hi, Chuck. Hey, how are you? (laughs) So good. It's good to have you. And Ben Trueblood. Hey, Ben. Hey. So we're taking both of our podcasts, which usually exists separately, kids and students, and we're coming together today to talk family ministry. And so this podcast will live on both places. If you're listening to the Kids Ministry Podcast or the Student Ministry Podcast, uh, you'll be listening to the same podcast today. And so, but what's exciting about it is we have these opportunities to come together. And every now and then, you know, we've we've talked a lot about uh, in our history about tearing down silos, breaking down walls that exist between kids and students and coming together. And this is ground that we have found, a place where we found common ground. And so it's exciting for me today to be here with both of you and to have some discussion around family ministry, how we can communicate, coordinate, collaborate, come together. All C's. All C's. four C's right there. Boom. I think it was only three. Well, you come together. come together. Come together. I counted come we'll together that in as there. a C. We'll throw that in there as, a, job, as an extra challenge. Thank you. It's the alliteration station that you're listening <laughs> to. Wow. So, but guys, so let's get started with with uh, setting the table for this meal. How do, so let's talk about how we define family ministry because that term can mean a lot of things or different things to different people. When we talk about family ministry, what does that mean to us? I, I I like the collaboration word that you used earlier. Well, so thank you. For me, I think a good way to look at family ministry is the ministries of your church collaborating together for the same desired outcome. So kids ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, preschool ministry, all of those being willing to come together with the same goal in mind. Now, a kids ministry might approach that goal a little bit differently because a nine-year-old is different than a 17-year-old. But we come together, we collaborate, we all have the same goal in mind, and we're going we're gonna to move together. Yeah, and I definitely think that that is one definition of family ministry. But like you said, Chuck, it kind of tends to be a loaded term. Mm-hmm. And I mean that in a way that, you know, like you said, family ministry means different things to different people. That's really my favorite definition, what Ben said. Um, But also, I think it means that um, at the end of the day, ministry teams have the goal of reaching families, individual families. That's right. And so then you look at family ministry as an end goal. Uh, We're trying to equip parents to be the primary disciplers of their kids. And so that is in every age group. So preschool elementary, middle school, high school, even uh, leaders who are, are, are trying to reach parents. They have the same end goal of strengthening families, making the, uh, Jesus the center of the home. And so I think family ministry also speaks to that. And I'll say one more thing, and really it kind of goes back to what Ben was saying, but this idea that church family is a thing. You know, um, our family very much depends on the church partnering with us um, as uh, partners in ministry. And so we depend on our church family to have godly men and women who are speaking into the lives of our children. And when we bring our children um, to um, service, to worship together, which, you know, I'm an advocate of doing as early as possible, uh, that in itself is also part of family ministry. 
So you kind of have three different things going on there. And I'm sure our listeners are probably saying, oh, but also this. There are other things, too, that can be brought into this broad umbrella. Right, because we're talking about we kind of need to be on the same page with some of these things philosophically and strategically, right? And how we, if we're going to collaborate and coordinate we have to communicate. That's got to be a key part of it. Do you, there, I'm coming back to those C's. Not intentionally, but it's true. It's, it builds, right? And so we, we can't function separate from one another and expect to, to be collaborative in our ministries. We have to figure out where we can cross over and make a connection. There's another C. So wh- what does that look like, guys? How, from the different areas that we represent, we're talking about preschool and kids and um, um, middle school and high school, even into next-gen uh, structures in the church, how do we even begin to, to communicate well together in areas that may not really be um, naturally in the same place or on the same page? Where do we start with that? Man, I, I think part of it is just being willing to sit down together and put all the cards on the table as a ministry team. And in some contexts, that's going to be volunteer ministry leaders, right? And in other contexts, it's going to be a full staff of people where a family pastor or we have a, a position at our church that where my family goes that is called the family pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of churches do, a lot of churches don't. But that person is actually able from a authoritative standpoint to say, okay, all of you age group ministry people, we're, we're going to get in a room and we're going to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. Not always the case in churches. But I think step one is being willing to sit around the table, find the time to sit around the table and say, okay, what do we want to do in serving this family? Like, what do we want to do with kids, students, and adults and preschoolers that points them in the right direction? To what, Jana, what you said earlier, to equip the family to grow as disciples and make disciples themselves. So I think it has to start with a conversation and a willingness to maybe even give up some things from your own ministry area for the greater good of the whole approach and the whole goal of ministering to the family. So part of this coming together is thinking the same things, maybe listening to the same things. I think it's kind of fortuitous that this this episode of the podcast will live both in the student space and the kid space. So the same people, we could have people listening to the same thing, and now they have an opportunity to come together and discuss what we've heard separately. Now, we've created an event for the purpose of coming together, and it's our Etch Family Ministry Conference. And so we've built that to be a place where LifeWay students and LifeWay kids do these C's together. We come together and communicate and coordinate and collaborate on the event so that you can come together with your team and hear the same speakers and experience the same conference session and hopefully leave with a strategy that can help you be unified for the family rather than siloed in our own areas. And so that is our Etch Conference. And so our Etch Conference is coming up in October. We're October 7 through 9 here in Nashville this year. And the theme is Thrive. And so we're talking about helping your kids' ministry, your preschool ministry, your student ministry, your whether it's middle school or high school, thrive. And so let's talk a little bit, guys, about some of the different sessions that we have around this theme of thrive. And so as we talk about how can we help the people that we've been entrusted with leading to thrive, we have four big themes that we're talking through at the conference. And the first one is that first 
you have to thrive. So in order for us to help other people thrive, first we have to thrive ourselves. What does that mean? Absolutely. Um, As leaders, it is so easy to get um, bogged down in the busyness of ministry that we forget to take care of our own hearts and souls. And so um, we're going to challenge you uh, at Etch to be sure that you are taking good care of your own soul. So that means, you know, daily time in the word um, and, and in prayer. But also, are you in community? Are you in Christian community? It's so, to me, this is the most dangerous one because of the busyness um, of, of what it means to be in ministry on a church staff. It is easy to be isolated um, in what you do. And so how can you um, find those safe friends and colleagues and fellow ministry leaders to live life with and um, and to be able to call you out on things if you need to um, and to to be able to confess sin with even uh, do you have that um, in your life uh, that's what it's going to take to not burn out that's what's that's what it's going to take to actually thrive and so that will be our first session and um, we want to be sure to start with that because we think it's that important. Yeah, it's uh, we don't naturally drift towards thriving spiritually. We drift away from that, and it takes effort. And I think the easiest thing to do in ministry, one of the easiest things to do in ministry is to kind of absorb all of the spiritual things that we're doing or are around us and say that that's our relationship with the Lord. Right. Yeah. But it's hollow and empty if it's not there personally. Like we are in this first as a disciple before we're ever a minister. Yeah. Yeah. That's that whole, you can't give out of an empty bucket. Right. And a lot of us are trying to, because we've been running hard for a long time and give, 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 give. A lot of times in kids and student ministry, you're not in church when the rest of your church is, you're working during that time. And it's, uh, it's easy to get depleted. I think that advice of inviting people into your life is so key. You know, because we yeah. also can tend to put up a front that we have it all together because we're on staff. Mm-hmm. We are the spiritual heroes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And to really be vulnerable enough to invite another person to have permission to either call you out, like you said, Jenna, on sin, or even just to let them know that you're having a hard day. Yeah, it's You've got to be intentional about who you let in and making sure you do that. That's good. You know, the verse that comes to mind is, remain in me and you will bear much fruit from John 15. Mm. And that is kind of the heartbeat of the Thrive theme. Yeah. And um, so I think we just need to remember that we have to abide in him mm. daily. So we for the, our opening session is going to be built around this, that, that, that you must thrive first. Mm-hmm. And an exciting thing that we have at the Etch Conference this year is we have a brand new president here at LifeWay. Yes. And he has accepted the invitation to speak at that opening session on thriving. So you can come and hear Ben Mandrell and uh, get to, to see him and meet him, the new leader of LifeWay. And we're excited that he'll be there to talk about this opening session. Yes, we're very excited about that. All right, so the next session focuses on helping families thrive. So let's talk about what that means. So yeah, we gotta take care of home first, take care of ourselves, make sure we're healthy. But then this idea of helping families thrive, let's talk about that. How, how do we need to be investing in families? I think a real practical way is just thinking through all of the stuff that the church does that we expect the family to take part in and 
you know, to go back on our, our discussion earlier about collaboration, just thinking through those things together, uh, one of the things you mentioned was thinking through the eyes of the family mm-hmm. with calendar and with budget and expenses and all of the stuff that the church puts out. Are those things leading to a situation where the family is thriving or is it leading to a situation where the family is just really busy with church? Yeah. And In so, addition to the rest of life. Right. Because right? then we're competing with their busyness of life. Yeah. So, you know, at, at the same time, I'm not saying, you know, don't do anything in your church anymore. But just asking the question, is this helping our families or is it putting them in a more stressful or uh, tight financial type of situation because of all of the stuff that, that we're putting out there? So at a real practical level, I think that's one way that we can help families thrive. You know, one thing that I think about is are we – equipping our parents with just really practical tools that can look like a take-home page that can look like a study guide but can also uh, be something as easy as sending out passages for parents and and children and families to read together you know um, bible reading is really what moves the dial in Mm -hmm. spiritual development and so we can we can send home devotions and there's nothing wrong with that but how are we encouraging parents who might even be intimidated themselves and research Mm -hmm. tells us that even our parents are for the most part biblically illiterate and so how can we think about our jobs as not only trying to get to the child but in kind of a safe way helping the parent open their bibles Mm -hmm. And, um, and and doing that in a way that is simple so that uh, parent discipleship can happen in a real way. So that can be done through just sending out texts, sending out emails, sending out social media about um, opening your Bible together as a family. And uh, that could connect back, of course, to the content studied at uh, Sunday school or, or small group. Um, but I'm just really big on leaders being able to model Bible reading in that way mm. so that it's not um, it's not something that parents feel intimidated by, but just. I think that is a massive point mm-hmm. that the in the church helping the family thrive is just putting tools in their hands where they can have a spiritual conversation outside the church walls. You mentioned the research. We had a uh, research study that we did this year. We saw that of high school students who were active in the church, only 27% of them said, my family regularly discussed spiritual things. Mm. And that has a direct influence on building lifelong faith. I mean, going back even, those are for high school students. But if that right. discipline and practice begins in elementary school or younger, then you're stacking the deck, so to speak, of building that lifelong faith. So I, I think I'm with you. I think one of the best things that a church can do is equip parents to have a simple, clear, spiritual conversation in the home. Right, so we need to be helping our church in general thrive, helping our ministries thrive, helping our teams thrive. So as leaders, we're not just you know concerned with ourselves, so that's important, and with parents, that's great. We have teams that we lead, and we need our churches to thrive. What is it we can do from our positions, from our ministry areas, to help serve our churches in a way that sets them up to thrive? 
Well, I'm really big on this one because I think I mentioned it earlier. I think part of family ministry is your church family. And we keep talking about, you know, Deuteronomy 6, you just said, Chuck, and um, um, equipping parents to be the primary disciplers. But how does that look when when kids don't have that? And so how can um, the family of God, the church family, uh, wrap around uh, next-gen ministry and really uh, serve as, um, as spiritual disciplers uh, from, from that seat? Um, I think it's really important that we encourage churches to have a focus on children's ministry and on student ministry and next-gen ministry uh, so that um, adults who are healthy and growing and godly aren't just camping out in a Sunday school class or they're, they're just invested in, let's say, uh, women's Bible study or I'm, I'm picking on some ministries. But what does it look like if churches really turn their focus on the next generation so that, um, you know, the statistics that tell us that, uh, that, that students leave, they might come back. Some do, some don't. Um, but how can the church wrap around a vision that says, not on our watch, mm-hmm. we want these kids that are in our care to, to be the next generation that grows and thrives mm-hmm. um, in, in the Lord. And so um, healthy, thriving churches and ministries, they do that. They do that. And that's a cultural thing you're saying in the life of the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get down to the nuts and bolts of this where we live. And that's with kids and students. Because at the end of it, really, whether we're serving through the family or through our church, through our ministry teams, we want kids and students to thrive. We want them to have that sense of identity and confidence of who they are in Christ and in their faith so that they are, again, on the, on the path to spiritual maturity. So what does that look like contextualized in our different spaces? What does it look like for us to help kids and students thrive? How do we set them up for that lifetime of healthy faith? I guess I'll, I'll talk about the student ministry side of things. I think I think this is another one of those, you know, we opened up by saying there's so many different definitions to family ministry. And I would say that about this, too. There are so many different components or spokes to the wheel, so to speak, for student ministry. But I think if we boil it down to one simple thing in student ministry, I I believe you're going to get a little personal philosophy here. Yeah, bring it. Let's hear it. That student ministry, the role of a student pastor is to help students fix their eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our training of leaders and then the kind of people we look for to be volunteers and every component that, that connects to that, it's how can we help a student understand what it means to fix their eyes on Jesus? Because they're going to be, we're going to be transformed into what we stare at most. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians 3.18, you know, we're all, all with unveiled faces, behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into that same image. So if a teenager, whatever they stare at mm. is what they're going to be transformed into. Mm. And so I think the student ministry helps a teenager thrive by helping them fix their eyes on Jesus. And wow. to put it into the conversation that we're having here about the family thriving and us thriving individually our church team's thriving. I think it's how can we help the parents fix their eyes on Jesus? Because there are, I mean, the three of us are parents. Yes. 
And there are a lot of things that would fit in the good category that we could fix our eyes on, even in trying to parent good and godly kids. Yes. That's not Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think helping them understand, helping parents understand, okay, what does it really mean for you to have your eyes fixed on Jesus? As a leader, what does it, ha- what does it mean for me? I think it trickles, it trickles down from there. But that's, that's how I would sum up. When a student ministry thrives, that's, that's what it's doing because that will get students to reach their friends and have gospel conversations, and that will get them to get in the Word, and knowledge of the truth leads to God. All of the stuff connects to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's I so good. I love that visual. That's very of rich. Yeah. When you become like what you look at. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's powerful. And I think that trickles down to kids' ministry, of course. Um, because we want um, everything that we do to center around the gospel. And so for kids to, first of all, be exposed to the gospel, Mm. probably for the first time at church uh, for a lot of kids, Um, and then to be invited into uh, um, a relationship with Jesus and, and, uh, and following him. So, you know, we want that to happen in kids ministry. The Mm. Holy spirit works in his own timing. Um, but a lot of children do come to faith, um, before the age of 12. And so, uh, we want to make sure that our, uh, kids ministries, um, are focused on, um, centering all of our Bible teaching around the gospel. And so, um, so that kids can thrive in their faith. Along with that um, is, I think, children's ministry is a great place to foster Christian friendships. And I think you would probably say the same thing for students. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and research even tells us that that helps move the dial in terms of spiritual development is, do I have um, a, a Christian friend at church? Do I, um, do I have an opportunity to serve and participate um, in in missions and uh, and things like that, kids ministry can can offer those kinds of opportunities as well. And so that, um, in my opinion, uh, can help kids thrive um, through those kinds of things. This word "thrive," we've used it a lot through this conversation. It's the theme of our Etch Conference this October seventh through ninth at the Music City Center here in Nashville. Please come. <laughs> this word thrive, though, guys, it's nice to say. It's great to talk about this idea of thriving. In reality, I would imagine that most of our listeners don't feel like they're thriving. Most of us feel like it's all I can do to survive. So is this attainable? Is this realistic? Give some advice. What do you say to that person who's hanging on by a thread and trying to decide if they're going to continue or not? What do you say to that person uh, to encourage them to say, hey, there's, you can thrive in your ministry. So I think one thing, I think that's a real, that's a real issue. It, the, just surviving, just making it, another, or even somewhere between surviving and doing okay, yeah. but not really thriving. And what I would say to that isn't really a ministry tool at all. Uh, it kind of goes back to our beginning on like the personal spiritual health side of leadership. And I would point people to that are that may be in survival mode um, to Ephesians chapter one. And Paul is praying for the believers at Ephesus and he prays that they would have hope in their calling uh, and 
in that context, hope in their calling for salvation. Like they've been called by, like they're a son or daughter of God. Yeah. And that there that they would be ho- there would be hope in that. Praise that they would experience the hope in their calling, and that they would know of their inheritance, heaven one day. And so for me, I didn't always do this really well. And there are probably days where I still don't. But I think living with a inheritance mindset or a heaven mindedness mm-hmm. causes us to deal with the things of life, ministry stress that's real because we're doing kingdom things. Like this is massively important. But the stress that goes along with that or the pride of my ministry is going great or the pride of my ministry seems like it's failing right now or personal struggles, all of those. I mean, the old hymn, right? The things of this world go grow strangely dim in light of his glory and grace, right? I think that's in light of his glorious grace. So when we live with a heavenward mindset, I think it causes the things that maybe move us to survival mode in ministry to begin to grow dim because of the hope that is out there for us, both in the future and right now as a follower of Jesus. That sounds a lot like you become like the things you look at. That sounds really similar to that, right? When we look at a certain standard that we can't live up to or that that our feelings lie to us, we can make that our reality. When in reality, if we look at the Lord in the light of his glory and grace, all those other things fade. Yeah. Ben, Ben, you just brought us church. Thank you. (laughs) Amen. Preach. (laughs) So um, I love that, by the way. Thank you. Um, You know... Having been through a season of burnout while on church staff, um, what I'm really referencing is um, going back to the Word of God. I know that sounds so Sunday school, um, but it's true. It's where you get replenished. And right now, Mm. I have found so much comfort in the Psalms and just praying through the Psalms because there are seasons where you get to a place with, with God even where you don't know what to pray. You don't know how to pray. And um, having that language there where you're crying out um, and saying God loves hearing his, wor- his word prayed to him, back his words back to him. And I would just encourage you, if you're in that kind of season, start there. It's just a real tangible, practical way to start. Um, and that's praying God's word. And Psalms, for me, is a great place um, to camp out for a while. And I hope that that brings um, replenishment and um, in your soul. I would say too, not to be like too co- at the risk of sounding too commercially. <laughs> sometimes it takes getting out of your bubble hmm. and going to a conference or going yeah. somewhere that you enjoy and and creating space between where you are feeling like I'm trying to survive. And just giving space for the Lord to speak. And sometimes that is an event like this where you can go and maybe there are some ministry friends or maybe your, your team. And it, it kind of creates space. So at the, risk, at the risk of sounding too commercially, that's a real, it's that a a real thing. Is <clears throat> And it is real. I mean, that's the principle of retreat, right? Yeah. Sometimes we need to pull away to refresh so we can get back to it with new energy. Yeah, that's right. And that's a lot of the feeling that we want to, uh, to communicate 
uh, at the Etch Conference. So we would like listeners to invite you to come. So Ben, thank you. Great words. Jana, thank you for your words and insight on family ministry and how we can thrive. And so we want to invite you listeners to come this October, October 7th through 9th, to the Etch Family Ministry Conference hosted by Ben and Jana right here in our hometown of Nashville. Wherever you're coming from, we have a place for you. And when I say we have a place for you, it means we have a seat for you. But there's also, there's a community for you to connect in. And that thriving comes when you're not isolated in a, in a silo. Uh, it, it, like Janice said, that's the most dangerous thing you can be is isolated, not connected in community. And so we want to be that community. Come, guys, take this as our invitation. Come to the Etch Conference. You can find information at etchconference.com. I'll sound like the commercial. Etchconference.com, <laughs> where you'll find information about the event, where you can stay, how you can register, bring your team, come together with someone, um, reach out across the aisle. If you're a student leader, reach out to your kids' people. If you're a kids' person, connect with your student people and, uh, and come together as you come. Or you can come by yourself, too. That's you okay, too. Right, we won't turn you away. We'd love to have you come, whoever you are. Just come. Just get here. But bring a friend. That's even better, right? Because you, that next level connection that can happen to help you thrive not only in your area, but as a whole church, as you serve the family holistically, that's the whole purpose of this event. We've got some cool speakers, guys. We've got Louis Giglio. Christine yeah. Kane. There's Amazing. a bunch of others who are coming. And plus, we're having uh, as a pre-conference, we have a, a list, a, a list, a, a collection of pre-conference sessions. You guys are leading some of those. That is our first ever family ministry summit as the pre-conference. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're super excited about that. Um, we just thought it would be really neat to bring thought leaders in family ministry together on a panel to talk about family ministry. Like we said at the beginning of this, it's one of those terms that means different things to different people. And there are thought leaders in this area. And I think it'll be really neat. I'm excited about um, Ben and I are going to host the panel. Um, But just to kind of throw some questions out there and see um, um, what, what these folks, our friends and colleagues have to say about family ministry. So it'll start off with that panel you don't want to miss that. And then we'll have some intensives, uh, which is a, a, a bigger word for breakouts, yeah. um, for the age group so that you can go to, if you're a preschool leader, you'll go to the preschool intensive, children, so forth. Middle school um, and high school, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we'll have those um, as the second part of the Family Ministry Summit. So that's a pre-con. That's the day that the conference starts. We kick it off officially that night. Uh, and then we have um, the pre-conference just that day. So you just have to get to Nashville a little bit earlier and um, and join us for the Family Ministry Summit at the Music City Center. It's worth it. It's worth the trip. Come and do it. You won't regret it. Thank you, listeners. We appreciate you tuning in to whichever podcast you're listening to today. Keep coming back and listen to more fantastic episodes like this one right here, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Listen to another. We appreciate you. Thank you, Ben Trueblood. And thank you, Jana Magruder. You guys are wonderful and we appreciate your leadership here. Thanks for listening to the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.